The Advanced Route is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Obviously, you're here at the Advanced Route for NFL Talk. That's what Emery Hunt and I are going to bring you momentarily. But guess what? There's more than the NFL, and there's more than sports on game time. NFL, NBA, NHL, whatever you're looking for there in the sports world. Concerts, theater, they've got it all on game time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello, what's up, everyone? Welcome in to the Advanced Route for Week 10 of the NFL season. I am Michael Beller, joined, as always, by my Advanced Route co-host, Emery Hunt. Emery, how we feeling? We are in the double-digit weeks now of the NFL season. I'm feeling good, Mike. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. And, um, yeah, I know you're a little bit under the weather, but we're going to try to fight through this one and, and, and charge on. Oh, we can we can definitely uh, charge through if uh, if the NFL still had probable status. That's what I would be listed as. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely good to go. <laughs> oh man, uh, you can find Emery on Twitter at fball game plan. You can find me on Twitter at m beller. A uh, reminder that we still have our forty percent off subscription for those of you listening in the free universe. Go to theathletic.com slash the advanced route. And you'll get forty percent off an annual subscription to the athletic. Also, if you are out there in the free universe, uh, we appreciate it if you uh, like what you've heard here. Subscribe, rate, review, do all that. It helps us out immensely. It helps get the shows to you quicker. Uh, helps us climb up those uh, those ratings boards and uh, get the show uh, search results out to you faster. So. Go ahead and, and do that for us. We would greatly appreciate it. And, of course, we always appreciate you listening in as well. Uh, check out the ranking show uh, this week. Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, and I going to be coming at you with uh, a, a pretty big edition of the ranking show, given that we have six teams going on by in the NFL this week. So it's going to be a tough one to get your lineup set. I know I'm in a couple of tough spots. Ranking show is going to be, I think, a very important one for fantasy football players this week and with that we're ready to give ourselves a little bit of a week 10 preview here in the advanced route uh we what uh, we took a look at the uh, schedule uh over the uh, last couple of days and noticed that uh, we've got some really intriguing games ahead of us so emery and i put our heads together and came up with three games that we wanted to dive into with special focus here in this episode of the advanced route the first one we're going to do is the minnesota vikings and dallas cowboys a big nfc clash this one could have some playoff implications uh, with this team's these two teams potentially fighting for a wild card spot with one another. So this is going to be one of the real big games of the weekend, both real life and fantasy implications in this one. Emery, I want to start out with you on this the same way we did with New England and Baltimore last week. And kudos to you on your Baltimore Ravens call with that one. Uh, Vikings offense versus Cowboys defense. What do we expect when that uh, is uh, what's happening on the field? How did Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, how does this offense attack what the Cowboys bring defensively? You know, that's a great way to, to start the show because I think when you look at where the Giants had success, I think against the Cowboys defense was 
uh, in the run game and getting the backs involved in the passing game without Leighton Vander Esch. Now, we don't know if he's going to play in this ball game, but the Giants were able to get Saquon Barkley in the passing game. They were able to take, take advantage of the short area passing game, you know, um, going over the middle of the field, uh, out in the flats. Wasn't really able to hit things deep, and that could be partly due to opportunity and also the quarterback of Daniel Jones, quarterbacking of Daniel Jones. So Cousins, I think he's a little bit more uh, – he's a better deep ball thrower at this point and a little bit more apt to take a chance deep down the field. But it looks like a guy like Dalvin Cook could be in play for a huge day. Yeah, is this going to have to be a Dalvin Cook game, you think? Uh, already looking like Adam Thielen unlikely to play because of the hamstring injury. He was on the field for seven snaps last week before he packed it in. Without Thielen out there, does this almost have to be a Dalvin Cook game for Minnesota? I think so. And, you know, Dallas did a great job of taking away – Saquon Barkley in the run game. Now, that could also be due to the fact that the Giants offensive line just couldn't get anything open for Barkley, and Barkley had to cre create a lot of opportunities for itself. Minnesota's offensive line is different than the New York Giants, so they may have a better outing, but I do think if they're going to win this ball game, everything in in my eyes will have to come from Delvin Cook and his ability to create opportunities for everyone else on on offense. What is that matchup like for Dalvin Cook? Uh, when you when you look at Dalvin Cook against this uh, Dallas defense, how do you think that sets up for him? Well, he's a guy that that matches speed and explosive, explosiveness with his own speed and explosiveness. So you have over-aggressive linebackers that are fast, so they want to beat everybody to the spot and try to win with speed. But that leaves you susceptible to the cutback run plays and uh, you know misdirections and things of that nature. And when you're running misdirection against an aggressive defense and you have an explosive tailback, you're probably going to be in line to pop a big run. And I think that right there could be, we may see a, a chunk play type game from Cook, you know, where he's going to probably go over 100 and it may be, you know, he had a 75-yard run or, uh, you know, maybe a 60-yard reception. We saw Saquon Barkley had a 60-yard reception last night. So I think he's going to be in line for a chunk play because of how aggressive and, and speedy those guys are in their back in the back seven. Yeah, Minnesota actually uh, fifth in football outsiders DVOA in offense, ninth in pass, seventh in rush. Dallas pretty much middle of the road in all those metrics. So definitely sets up for Dalvin Cook to be the guy who dominates the game for Minnesota offensively. Uh, as I said, Adam Thielen almost certain to miss this game because of his hamstring injury. Uh, does that mean that with Stephon Diggs gets the full Byron Jones treatment in this one? It, he could. They could move him around. I don't know if Byron Jones travels inside. I, I would highly – um, suggest ag against that, uh, putting him inside with, with the way his hips are set up. So if I'm Minnesota, I'm keeping Stephon Diggs inside and allowing those other guys to play on the outside and see if Byron Jones stays on the outside or if he goes inside with Diggs. But I think it could be a, a good day for those tight ends, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith. I think those guys should have more opportunities because of what we talked about with you know the aggressiveness of those linebackers. Plus, the Cowboys safeties and again, maybe Jeff Heat doesn't play in this game, which could be a net positive for this defense once again. Or they decide, hey, we have two tight ends. We're gonna they you're gonna get them to focus on one and let the other guy have the success. So that could either be Smith or Rudolph, depend depending on who they decide the Cowboys will want to take away. I'm pretty sure they will probably want to take away Rudolph. So Smith could be in line to have a breakout game, so to speak. Is that something that's going to be based off of the matchup or, or, or the lack uh, or the the absence, excuse me, 
of Adam Thielen, or maybe a little bit of both. Do you think Minnesota almost out of necessity has to go to the tight ends more with Thielen unlikely to play? Well, they also trust the guys that they're they're trotting out there. We saw Treadwell have a really good game uh, last week against Kansas City. So I think it's a little bit of both, like you talked about. It could be matchup, but also uh, personnel, and also trusting the guys that they're putting out there, B.C. Johnson and and also um, uh, Treadwell. If you are the Vikings, do you want to keep Diggs away from Byron Jones? Are you scheming ways to do that purposely, or are you just going to let Diggs do what he does? Let Diggs do what he does, but also try to put – digs in an advantageous situation by keeping him inside and say hey either they're going to put a different guy on you or they're going to put a guy that probably doesn't do well in the slot in byron jones inside and therefore we can work him with double moves uh to take advantage of his lack of, of fluidity within his hips uh, Cowboys uh, have been pretty stout uh, from a fantasy point of view against uh, passing games. They've allowed the fifth fewest points to both quarterbacks and wide receivers on the season, middle of the pack against running backs. So again, uh, more signs pointing to a heavy Dalvin Cook game for the Minnesota Vikings. How about the other side of this, uh, Emery, when Dallas has the ball and when Minnesota is on defense, what should we expect to see? It's very similar, to be honest. You talk about a team in Minnesota that has great second-level play with their linebackers. They're athletic. They can cover. They can rush the passer. So they do a lot of the same things that Dallas can do from a pressure standpoint. I think where they have to attack is Trey Waynes. I think that's the the matchup that they're going to exploit. Now, whether Waynes is going to be lined up on Cooper or Gallup, I think that's where they're going to go with the football. It could also open things up inside, uh, but I do like anybody that McKenzie Alexander – uh, draws. I, I think Alexander is a really good player. So that's what I'm saying. I like Alexander in the matchup more so than the other guy. But they do have Randall Cobb, who's a savvy vet. So he's going to have some opportunities. But I think Trey Waynes is the one that they're going to circle because, in my opinion, he has a lot of the same uh, areas of concern uh, with the fluidity in his hips and uh, coming out of transition and, and, you know, covering double moves that Byron Jones has. You know, these are uh, straight line, fast guys, speedy guys, athletic guys, but could be stiff going sideways, you know, sideline to sideline or um, laterally. Their agility, I don't think, is up to par. And I think if you're Dallas, you're going to try to find ways to attack that aspect of of Trey Wayne's game. Plus, he tends to get a little bit handsy in coverage, which could also draw penalties, which don't help you in fantasy. But it could, in a roundabout way, depending on how far it is downfield, help a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, is, is that a situation, assuming they do end up attacking Trey Waynes, is that something where you would expect Dallas to do it over and over again with the same receiver, or are they going to try to get situations where both Cooper and Gallup can draw that matchup? Yeah, I think that's going to be the case because, again, if you find a weak spot, you got to continue to exploit that to where they're either going to make a change or they're just going to keep giving up big plays or giving up penalties. So you have to keep hammering them where they're weakest and hopefully – uh, get them to adjust to where it's more of an advantageous situation to you than uh, them taking control of of uh, what you know the situation and what they want to do from a defensive perspective. You know, one thing that uh, I've been surprised that we haven't seen a ton of this season is Ezekiel Elliott in the passing game. Last year, he had 77 catches uh, for 567 yards. This year, just 24 catches for 176 yards uh, through eight games halfway through uh, the season. So obviously, very comfortably off the pace he had last year as a receiver. Uh, do you think we see more Zeke in the passing game, be it this week or, or just generally in the future? 
I think maybe this game, but I, I also believe the reason why you're not seeing a lot of it is because now they have a third receiver that they can trust, and that's Randall Cobb. Uh, so I think that is the reason why, and they're needing Zeke to stay in and be very good in pass pro, which he is. So that explains a little bit of why the the passing, the receiving numbers aren't what they are uh, this year. But I think in this game, because again, like I said before, you're dealing with the same with the same type of linebackers that you're seeing on the other side of the field with Dallas, they're going to have to find ways to take advantage of this over-aggressive group, guys that can cover. And, you know, maybe you you get Zeke on the screen if they're coming with pressure or, or whatnot, or if they're over-aggressive on um, Dak Prescott and uh, trying to get after him, and he, he's able to dump a little short dump-off pass over, over the top of their heads uh, to Zeke Elliott. So I think you can see him be involved in the passing game in this particular matchup, but throughout the rest of the season – I think they like their three wide receiver group. Cowboys offense been very effective uh, on the ground and through the air, no matter what. Their football outsiders, number one offense uh, by DVOA, second in rush, third in pass. Uh, we saw Ezekiel Elliott run through a, a handful of monster holes on Monday night against the Giants. How does this particular matchup set up for Zeke? Got to imagine that, at least on paper, Minnesota presents a muff, much tougher challenge uh, for, for Ezekiel Elliott than the Giants did last week. Well, I think defensively for Minnesota is, you know, they're they're strong as heck up front. Um, and they can get pressure from anywhere across the board. So their DNs can rush, their defensive tackles get quick penetration. Uh, so you may try to see Dallas go a little bit more outside zone as opposed to inside, uh, like we saw them do against the Giants. So it'll be interesting to see. But this is a very good matchup for that offensive line of Dallas. I thought they had their way with, with that Giants defensive front. Yeah, they uh, certainly uh, opened up plenty of uh, plenty of big holes for uh, Ezekiel Elliott in that game. It's going to be uh, a fun one between Minnesota and Dallas. Let's play a little uh, fantasy either or here. Emery, who has the better fantasy game, Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know what? That's a good question. I think Dalvin Cook, because you could trust Dak Prescott to get the ball out and, and spread the ball around and get people involved. More so than you can trust Kirk Cousins. So I would say Dalvin Cook. All right. How about uh, Stephon Diggs or Amari Cooper? I think Diggs could have some success. Uh, Cooper was a little bit banged up a, a little bit in that Giants game, but he played through it. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know on, on a short week without that adrenaline pumping how healthy he'll be. Um, so I would I would give the slight edge to, to uh, Stephon Diggs. All right. And then the quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott? I think Dak is going to have the better day because he's going to spread the wealth and you always got to account for his ability as a runner. All right. And then ultimately, who gets the win in this one, the Vikings or the Cowboys? I like the Cowboys in this one, man. You know, this is a game that I think is a playoff preview. Um, I think both teams match up really well. It's going to be fun to watch. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to quarterback play. And right now, I'll take Dak Prescott 12 times out of 10 over Kirk Cousins. The NFC is brutal, man. I mean, there's going to be some really good NFC teams left out of the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what you want to see if you're talking professional football. You want everybody to be as good as maybe team number six in the playoff race because it just brings, you know, the competitive level up uh, around the league. You don't want a situation where there are three good teams and everybody else is trash. Uh, but when you have really good teams, it makes every game competitive. It makes every game fun to watch. That's why that Chiefs-Packers game was really entertaining 
even though they were without their star quarterback, the reigning MVP, Kansas City came out there and played hard and they played well and it shows they have a good team. And that's going to always make the games that much more uh, fun to watch. Yeah, Vikings and Cowboys both in playoff position right now. Certainly have inside tracks to make the playoffs regardless of the outcome of Sunday's game. But there are going to be good teams left on the outside looking in on the NFC side of the bracket. Let's move on to our next game here, Emery. This one doesn't have quite the same playoff stakes uh, in real life, but definitely a fun fantasy game. And I think just a fun football game purely between the Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Cardinals got 10 days of rest for this one. They played Thursday night football against San Francisco last week. Uh, We'll start where we started that last one. Arizona's offense against Tampa Bay's defense. How does that matchup set up? Man, it, it sets up nice for a guy like Kyler Murray. Could be a get well game um, because the Bucks. I think a lot of the Bucks' issues defensively has just been from a communication standpoint. Now they put Jamel Dean out there in a in a bad spot because of Carlton Davis or um, Carlos Davis, I believe, uh, the corner out there. Carlton Davis, I believe, um, didn't have. I think he was injured. And so Dean just doesn't have the juice and he couldn't keep up with DK Metcalf. And, and so granted, the Cardinals don't have someone of that caliber. You know, they got Larry Fitzgerald, who's a very good receiver, um, but he's not the burner. Uh, Andy Isabella had to break out game, so that could be an option. But I, I think this has a, a really good, is set up really nice for the Cardinals passing game, especially when you consider how they can get those backs out in, in route two. Um, now, we don't know how healthy, Edmonds will be this week, but we know what we saw from Kenyon Drake, who is excellent and had a great debut in his Cardinals uniform. And the Bucs are banged up at the linebacking level. So there's an opportunity for them to get the backs involved in the passing game. So I think the passing offense against his Bucks defense could be in play to have success. We saw Russell Wilson have success throughout the game. And I'm not saying that Kyle Murray is Russell Wilson, but because the passing game had success, it would lead you to believe that the Cardinals, who pass the ball a ton, should have some success moving the ball up and down the field. Yeah, and that's uh, the way to attack this Tampa Bay defense, absolutely. They are the number one rush defense in DVOA, 26th against the pass. They've allowed the second fewest fantasy points per game to running backs, but the most to wide receivers, the third most to quarterbacks, and the second most to tight ends. You can definitely get after this Tampa Bay team through the air. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday, so obviously we're not working with a full set of information, but as you and I sit here on Tuesday afternoon, it sounds like David Johnson will play and Chase Edmonds won't play. So how does Arizona fit Johnson and Kenyon Drake alongside one another? Well, just like we talked about before in, in ad nauseum, it's just the same thing. You you know, I've I've said this many times, especially last episode about my thoughts about David Johnson. So I mean find ways to get him involved in the passing game. I, I would say continue to use Drake as your primary guy because he is the better player. He's the more explosive. He has the you know the talent. He's now going to be the focal point which could make things easier for Johnson to have, you know, some success. But I think they can try to use both uh, in in conjunction with one another. They both are really good receivers. They both have a level of explosiveness. Let's talk about Christian Kirk for a second here, Emery. Uh, Not not much of a productive game for him last week. Felt like – at least a decent spot just because of uh, what Arizona's offense was going to want to do against San Francisco. Obviously, we know that's a very tough assignment for any offense, but uh, it seemed like they were going to have to turn heavily into the pass. Didn't really come out uh, on the right side of things for Christian Kirk. How do they get him going in this matchup? Well, you just got to, you know, easy throws for Kyler Murray and just get him touching the football early. 
and take advantage of his ability after the catch. I think when you have a guy like Christian Kirk, um, who's a terrific run after the catch guy, uh, and 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 has some strength to him, you want to just get him the football early and and let him do his thing, and that's how you get him involved. Yeah, it'd be, uh, I think, uh, a really good matchup for him. And again, I think you're going to want to, from a fantasy perspective, really trust pretty much all of your Cardinals in this one. Uh, David Johnson included, Kenyon Drake, of course, uh, both receivers, uh, Kyler Murray. uh, I think really all these guys can uh, can show up in a big way against Tampa Bay. I think the same goes on Tampa Bay's side of things. Obviously, this is a team we always talk about being a a very pass-friendly offense and a very pass-fertile environment with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But I want to start out here, uh, Emery, with Ronald Jones. A big game last week. Bruce Arians has come out and said he's our guy. He's our starter. How do we see him deployed in this game against Arizona's defense? I just think Ronald Jones is finally starting to get the the position down pat. He's starting to find his rhythm. You saw it in the game against Seattle where he just, he started getting to that running back groove that I like. And it was really, really cool to see. And if the Bucks can get a ground game going, it's going to be huge. And he has, I don't, I don't want to say he has the speed of those San Francisco 49er tailbacks, but he has pretty good speed. Um, he's close. And there's going to be some opportunities to hit big plays against his Cardinals defense. And we saw San Francisco running backs find creases. And I'm not saying he has the vision or the, top end speed like those guys but he's a guy that can definitely you know pick him up and put him down so i think he's in line for a really good day um but with with, in that same breath when you when you think about why uh they had success running the football against the cardinals was because they trusted their offensive line now do the bucks trust their offensive line as much as san francisco did against that front against you know, that front, you know, against Arizona, we'll see. So you know that's why you have to really be careful in going from matchup to matchup, saying, okay, this team did this last week, and this team should be able to do this this week. Well, you know, the personnel is different, so we don't know how much they trust that offensive line of, of Tampa Bay. Now they they should have some success, should because they do have some good pieces up front, but we'll see. So I would, I like Jones. I think Jones has a chance. Um, I, I think they like their ability to throw the football against this Cardinals defense too. Um, with Jameis Winston and those receivers, we saw Jameis have one of his better days as a QB. So maybe that could be in play. I don't know if, how how much their screen game is involved. Um, so I think I would probably be a little bit more lukewarm on Ronald Jones. Love the player, but this game, I, I think you know they're going to try to see if they can get James to stack positive days. Uh, you know, um, against in the passing game against his defense. Yeah, maybe the best thing that Ronald Jones has going for him from a fantasy perspective is the fact that Peyton Barber uh, was a total non-entity in that game last week. Does seem like after a little bit longer than maybe we expected, Ronald Jones has taken command of the Tampa Bay backfield. Obviously, the pass game is going to be uh, the uh, main entree for the uh, Tampa Bay offense every single week. Uh, how do we uh, expect Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to perform against this Arizona secondary? Obviously, they got Patrick Peterson back a couple of weeks ago, uh, Byron Murphy in there as well. But uh, Evans and Godwin have just been an absolute handful for every team they've faced this season. Got to believe they've got the advantage in this one. And there you go. You saw last week too, man. I, I said this to myself, man. Patrick Peterson kind of looked – a little too thick out there. He couldn't get out of his breaks fast enough. He was just a step slow and getting back to the receiver 
and you you hit the nail on the head. You talk about Evans and Godwin and what they did last week. So I was getting ready to say before you even brought it up, it didn't matter who they're facing out there in the corner. They're going to get there. So those are the two bucks you can truly trust in this game uh, because they they've you know seem like they have the the chemistry now with Jameis. He's he's connecting on those deeper throws down the field. They're they're a little bit more in rhythm. So I think they're going to have a a lot of success in this game more so than than you know gambling on the run game. Yeah, Mike Evans uh, just an absolute monster. Uh, he and Tyler Lockett going catch for catch last week. That was uh, a ton of fun to watch. And uh, we've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin inside the top five uh, fantasy wide receivers. You know the last time that happened, Emery? Last time two teammates were top five wide receivers. Man, all right. So let me guess. Because <laughs> uh, I'm trying to. I'll you give know, you. I'll to... give you a hint. It was. It was. It, it, this, we, you don't have to go too far back into history. We're not talking okay. like the '80s or even the '90s. No, no, no. I wouldn't. Like do, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, like, it's somewhere. It, it's somewhere in the last 15 years. Wow. What would it be like? Uh, Jordy Nelson and and Cobb or somebody like that. Uh, two Packers or you know nope. would it be? Oh, wow. A little yeah, earlier. A little earlier than those guys. Just a touch. Really? Yeah. Who? All right. Who is it? It was uh, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Oh, I forgot the Colts used to do that a lot. Oh, six, oh, six, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. You for kind of, you kind of forget the Colts used to be like a, a offensive juggernaut. Yeah, right. Kind of gets lost in the in the shuffle. Yeah, forever ago that uh, Peyton Manning was uh, was crazy uh, etching his name into uh, into the Hall of Fame uh, at, with Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, oh six Marvin Harrison uh, was number was the number one receiver, and Reggie Wayne was the number three receiver. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin uh, seem ready to join that group as a two top five wide receiver teammates uh you know also Arizona has struggled mightily against the tight end position this year they've allowed the most fantasy points uh, per game to tight ends is there any hope for OJ Howard in this one assuming he's able to play can uh can we trust him at all uh with the way his season has gone who knows because we saw an opportunity for uh, Tanner Hudson to have a touchdown last game against Seattle but he could he could haul it in James put it right where it needed to be but Tanner couldn't come down with it. You start to wonder, like, man, if that was O.J. Howard, would that have been a touchdown? Or if that was O.J. Howard, would that have even been an opportunity? So you don't really know uh, with this tight end position in Tampa Bay. You like to think the talent will win out and the talent will get out there and showcase itself. But I can't really, you know, I'd be doing the listeners a disservice if I if I gave any prediction after seeing that we really don't know what we're getting out that position week in, week out. Yeah, it's going to be uh, stream at your own peril on O.J. Howard or Cameron right. Brait or whoever it might be uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at tight end. Let's do a little either-or again here. Emery, better fantasy game between Kyler Murray and Jameis Winston. Jameis. I think Jameis has quietly become – you know what? I said this too. I just put out a, my midseason mock draft on football game plan, and in, I just felt this way after the Titans game when uh, – Arians came out to defend him uh, and saying that none of those interceptions was his fault. Then seeing how he played this past game against Seattle, I, I kind of believe the Bucs are going to stick with Jameis. Now, I don't think Tennessee will stick with Mariota, but I have a feeling the Bucs, just based off how Coach has spoken about this quarterback and how he has responded, and you can see some talent, like more so than you can see with Mariota, I think they'll stick with Jameis. So 
and when you look at how he does in fantasy, Jameis has been pretty consistent. Um, so I like Jameis over Kyler in this matchup. Yeah, Jameis Winston, uh, for all the mistakes or all the turnovers he's had this season, has been a consistent fantasy force for sure. Helps to have guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Speaking of those guys, I'm not going to ask you for Mike Evans versus Larry Fitzgerald or Chris Godwin versus Christian Kirk. I think I know where you would go there. So let's compare the teammates against one another. Who has the better game, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? That's that's a good way to put it because you're right. It would have been like easy money. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Evans. I, I think Evans... Finally, uh, Jameis is starting to connect on those deep balls, like I said earlier. And that's where he gets a lot of his work. Those chunk plays just come in bunches for for Evans. So I would say Evans more so than Godwin. All right. And then how about the other side of this game, Larry Fitzgerald or Christian Kirk? Mm, man, I would I, I probably would go Fitzgerald because he's all reliable. Um, he's going to be third down guy. He's going to be outlet guy. Uh, Kyle Murray is scary versus pressure, so he's going to be scrambling out of there trying to get rid of the football, and and no one works better to the, works back better to the quarterback than Larry Fitzgerald. All right, this one doesn't have the uh, same weight to it as uh, the last one did, but uh, still fun. Who wins the game, Arizona or Tampa? Hmm, I like Tampa. I think Tampa does it. I, you know, I think it'll be another one of those back and forth affair type games. So I would go with Tampa. Um, I think their offense will. We'll see their offense have that same output we saw them have against Seattle. Yeah, it's going to be a very fun one from a fantasy perspective for sure. I don't think you will be sad if you have any line of investment in this game. <laughs> one more one. We got a great uh, uh, primetime slate this week, Emery. Thursday night to me is a fun game, Chargers and Raiders. We already talked the Sunday night game between uh, the Vikings and the Cowboys, and then the Monday night game, a huge clash in the NFC West, the lone remaining Undefeated team in the NFL, San Francisco, hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Again, the Niners, they're going to have 11 days off here going from Thursday night football all the way to Monday night football. So plenty of rest for them, at least plenty of rest relative to uh, the ins and outs of an NFL schedule uh, with Seattle uh, coming to town. Uh, Russell Wilson just uh, doing his MVP thing yet again. How does he stack up against what's been one of the toughest, if not the very toughest defense so far in the NFL this season? I think he stacks up well because he handles pressure well and he's the mobile quarterback. So he's going to find a way to extend and throw downfield, but also extend to scramble and pick up a cheap first down or two with his leg. So he is the perfect guy to have versus this aggressive style defense. We saw this with Lamar Jackson against uh, Baltimore. I mean, against New England, when you have a guy that's not afraid of pressure, that doesn't see ghosts, that isn't afraid of the moment. That makes all that changes how you attack them from a pressure standpoint. So you won't see as much aggressiveness coming from San Francisco because of the type of player Russell Wilson is. So I think he'll fare well uh, against his defense, which means those targets could fare well also. Let's talk about those targets. Uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, just a remarkably efficient wide receiver, and it's been the case for a few years now. I mean, Seattle uh, still loves to live with its run game uh, and let Russell Wilson do his thing, but Tyler Lockett is putting up you know, top 10 wide receiver numbers week in and week out, season in and season out the last couple of years, even though he's only getting you know, maybe a uh, you know barely inside the top 20 in the league in targets. He and DK Metcalf both had big games last week how do we think they stack up against the secondary and what's the impact of josh gordon who is expected to make his seattle debut this week josh gordon isn't even in the equation in my opinion because oh, okay. you, you, well because you really can't trust josh gordon 
Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know which one will you get in the game. He could be the, the game's greatest decoy, uh, which could open things up for Lockett and Metcalf. And I think Metcalf, being the big physical presence that he is, will open things up for Tyler Lockett. I think Lockett is the one that, that you should trust more in this ballgame because everyone will see size, everyone will see height, and try to focus on that. We got to bracket this guy. We got to get a body on him. Uh, take him away. They're, they're going to try to play high post and go up top to these big receivers, and it'd be Lockett that kills you throughout the doggone day. So I say Lockett is the one um, out the three that could have the biggest of games because of everyone's attention on the size, the height, and the you know the speed of both Gordon and also uh, Metcalf. Yeah, Tyler Lockett, just one of the uh, true unsung heroes, finally starting to get the attention. Every game. Right? I mean, it, it's, and it was like that last year, getting the attention he deserves uh, this season, finally, uh, with what he is putting up uh, in Seattle. Uh, this is probably going to be the toughest test to date for Chris Carson, right? I mean, Chris Carson uh, is a grinder. He's a guy who's got um, you know, probably maybe more athleticism than he gets credit for, but uh, San Francisco has been an absolute bear. Um, on running backs this season. They've given up the fourth fewest points per game uh, in fantasy leagues to the running back position. We know Seattle is going to remain committed to Chris Carson. How do they get him going in this matchup? I think it's going to have to be the zone read game um, because you want to use Russell Wilson's athleticism in conjunction with the ground game. And I think when you look at how they can do that uh, better than the Cardinals could, the Cardinals had just straight success handing the ball off to Kenyon Drake. Kyle Murray really wasn't a threat in the run game uh, because he doesn't have that that same run toughness like a Russell Wilson. And so he won't slide a yard, you know, before the first down line like Kyle Murray would, you know, or scramble, make a guy miss and then quickly dart out of bounds uh, straight line without trying to turn up the field. Russell will try to get the first down every time. So because of his threat and his his ability, that should help out Carson. So I think you probably see more zone read than more. Uh, straight downhill running because it's going to be tough to run downhill against those long athletic uh, guys that can really uh, clog up gaps. So we'll see. But I just I would have to believe that Wilson's athleticism will help out uh, Carson more so than anything, more so than what we saw last week, because last week you would have thought Murray would have helped out um, Drake. But Drake did it all by himself. And Murray really was a non-factor. So I think this one you still have to worry about Russ in the run game more so than than you did Murray. Yeah, the strength for strength of this game is going to be really fun. It's going to be fun to see uh, every single time Seattle's offense and San Francisco's defense uh, take the field and see what uh, what they throw at Russell Wilson, what uh, Wilson has cooked up for the 49ers defense. That's going to be, I think, the most compelling part of this game. But, of course, it's only half of this game. We still have 49ers offense and Seahawks defense. Uh, you know, Seattle uh, seems to be one of those things, personnel changes, but the team uh, seems year in, year out, for whatever reason, to struggle against tight ends and this year they've given up the sixth most points per game to the tight end position uh does this set up for a big one for george kittle absolutely when you look at kittle's individual talent the seahawks inability to to, you know guard tight ends it seems like combined with jimmy garoppolo's tentativeness in the pocket that ball is going to come out quick it's going to come out short it's going to come out underneath and guess who's going to get that football george kittle so I think it does set up for a big-time game against Seattle. 
Niners are likely to get Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, and Kyle Juszczyk all back in this game again. Uh, whether No matter when you're listening to this, Emery and I are recording this on Tuesday afternoon, so obviously check that as the week goes on. But assuming they do get those three guys back, we know three huge pieces of their offense, even though they combine to touch the ball you know, pretty much zero times uh, per game. How does that affect the way Kyle Shanahan designs his game plan against Seattle? I think it's going to be big for the run game. Because uh, you have to worry about use check not only as a blocker, obviously, but you know as a threat in the passing game. So now you can't be as aggressive in stopping a run when you see a fullback out there on the field because that fullback is like Larry Sinners. He's a threat in the passing game, um, and getting both your your tackles back is huge because now the helps protect you more so in the passing game. So it's going to open things up a little bit more offensively. Uh, is going to give Garoppolo a little bit more comfort back there in the pocket, knowing that he has all those things at his disposal. So we should see a better Garoppolo uh, build on what he did last week. And he was clutched last week on third down uh, throughout the ball game. I thought he played his best game situationally, uh, in my opinion. So I think with those pieces back, it should help the rest of the offense function more normally. So it'll be up to Seattle's defense to really be on their game because now San Francisco is coming in at full strength. How does Garoppolo, Garoppolo keep that rolling? You know, we talked about this a, a little bit a couple of weeks ago that uh, that he really hadn't been asked to uh, step up and, and do much. Uh, this team had been able to win on the strength of its run game and its defense pretty much every single game this season. Now they ultimately uh, uh, took care of business against uh, Arizona, but that game was pretty close, and Arizona was able to um, make a charge late in that game. Garoppolo had to step up and make plenty of big plays, and he delivered four touchdown passes in the game. Uh, that was a pretty soft matchup, however, against Arizona. What did you see from him in that game, and how does he keep this rolling against a Seattle defense that, you know, it's not the Legion of Boom, but certainly a step up in weight class from the Arizona defense he torched last week? Garoppolo is going to have to – it's going to be about him in this game. I don't think the Seahawks – uh, will give up much on the ground. So I'm not expecting a big day for Tevin Coleman or uh, for Matt Breida. I think it'll have to be Garoppolo and those wide receivers. I don't think the Seahawks will respect the passing game uh, of San Francisco. So they'll key in on a run and make Garoppolo win this ball game by himself. And so for that to happen, Garoppolo has to be willing to take a shot in the chops and deliver a strike. He's going to have to throw it to the covered guy. He's going to have to put the ball in some places that he don't want to put it. Um, he's going to have to play a little bit more aggressive than normal because I don't think the run game will be successful to uh, in this matchup that we've seen it before. Now, they can have some success in a passing game, getting those backs out in space, but as far as them getting those big chunk plays on the ground, I don't see that happening against Seattle's defense. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, I think, for Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, even with all those guys, McGlinchey, Staley, and Juszczyk likely back in the fold. Uh, I've got uh, an either-or, more prop-though situation I've laid out here, Emery, because the uh, the head-to-head matchups maybe don't match up quite so crisply. Russell Wilson versus Jimmy Garoppolo, for example. So we're going to do it a little bit differently than we have the other uh, couple of games. I think I know where you're going with this first one. Who has the better game, Chris Carson or whichever 49ers back is the best. So Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, whichever one of them is the best, does he have a better game or does Chris Carson have the better game? I think Carson. Carson is going to get the opportunities, um, and I think Carson is aided by Russell Wilson's ability to run. So I would say Carson. 
All right, now Tyler Lockett, obviously the uh, number one receiver on either side of this game, one of the very best receivers in the NFL. Does he go over or under 88 and a half yards in this one? What he's been averaging so far this season? He has been averaging. Give me one second. I tried. I'm always interested in 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 why they choose certain numbers, right? They're so specific with these. <laughs> that's my that's my number actually. Uh, you can't get that. Uh, those those individual player props aren't available uh, just yet. Okay. So that's actually my number, but uh, he is averaging 85.2 yards per game this season. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like they. <laughs> It's it's interesting because they put it just at the right number to where you like, oh man, yeah. You know, well, you so got to make it interesting, I, <laughs> right? You have to make you got to make people bet on it, right? So <laughs> I would say he'll go over that number. All right, I like it. I hope you're right because uh, I am heavily invested in Tyler Lockett across all of my uh, <laughs> fantasy leagues uh, this season. Who has the better game, Emmanuel Sanders or DK Metcalf? I like Sanders in this one. I think Sanders uh, quickly developed some good rapport with. with with Garoppolo, I, I think, you know, especially on third downs, I like Sanders second game with this all third game, second or third game with his offense, I believe third. Um, third. So I, I do like him in this matchup more so than Metcalf. All right. Uh, Russell Wilson is at 278.3 yards per game. Does he go over or under 249 and a half this week? I think he goes over uh, again, his ability to create and find and no one runs the scramble drill better than Seattle with, you know, Russell Wilson scrambling out of problems and finding someone like Lockett streaking over the middle of the field wide open or finding someone continuing to run deep downfield like Metcalf or now potentially Josh Gordon. I say he goes over 249 yards passing. All right, Emery, last question. I think this is the marquee game of the week. Who wins it, Seattle or San Francisco? Tough game, but I do like Seattle to get the win. Um, in San Fran. Under, in San Fran. I think you're going to like how uh, defensively they do versus the run game. I think it's going to be a really good game, competitive game, uh, maybe the best game of the weekend. I do like C- uh, Seattle to win. And that would uh, bring to an end uh, any hopes of an undefeated season across the board. So uh, those uh, 1972 Miami Dolphins could uh, cheers each other once again. If you end up being right in Seattle, gets the upset victory in San Francisco. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Advanced Route. Thank you to all of you for listening. Emery, thank you for your great analysis once again. As usual, you can follow Emery on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. You can get me at Ambeller. Again, a subscribe rate review. We really appreciate it. You can get yourself 40% off a subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash the advanced route. Emery and I will be back with you in this same space next week with a new episode of The Advanced Route. Until then, have a great week. For Emery Hunt, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.